This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hi, I'm Louis, and welcome back to another episode of Chalkboard Ultra, investigating some of the most interesting... Oh, I'm here. Did you did you start already? Sam, you interrupted my intro. I'm, so- I'm afraid we're going to have to start the podcast again. Sorry, sorry. Why'd you start without me? I told you I was coming. The bus was late. I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Louis. And I'm Sam. And welcome back to another episode of Chalkboard Ultra. Investigating some... Come on, you got to let me do this. Fine, fine. You, you start, you start. Hi, I'm Sam. And I'm Louis. And welcome back to another episode of Chalkboard Ultra, investigating some of the most interesting problems in all of mathematics. What are we discussing today, Sam, apart from your, uh, well, lack of punctuality? <laughs> we'll get on to that. But with any luck, this episode will be released on the 29th of February, the first and perhaps the only time we'll get this to happen. True, but who knows where Chalkboard Ultra will be? in the next four years. Perhaps we'll have taken this past university and, and gone rogue, you know, start releasing it on our own. Sorry, Lydia and Rachel, but... Or maybe a new generation of chalklings will take control of the airwaves. What a wild imagination you have. Anyway, so why are you so happy that this is Leap Day? I find that 29th of February, or Leap Day in Leap Year, it's got a rather fascinating history. In this episode, we will dive into the historical mishaps of the calendar and learn how to count down to Doomsday. Happy Leap Day, everybody. Now, leap years are fantastic. They are the ultimate solution to a problem many were faced with in the second millennium. Calendar drift. Now, the way you said that, Sam, makes it sound very devastating. What actually is it? We're going to have to rewind a few years and see an example of when it actually broke down. It was 1627, at the height of the Anglo-French War. The English army had plans to invade a French island on the 12th of July. The opposing French army knew of this plan, and they gathered together, ready to defend. But on the 22nd of July. They got the dates wrong. I take it the island was taken then. Well, unfortunately, the entirety of France do not speak English, so clearly not at all, because they happened to actually be the same day. In those times, the French and the English had different approaches to leap years. While one had them in place in a sensible way, the other didn't, and so the calendars physically drifted apart. But temporally, the days were the same. Thursday the 12th of July for one country was, in fact, Thursday the 22nd of July for the other. That's all very confusing, Sam. And we're left to wonder exactly why it happened. Why were we 10 days out of sync with the rest of Europe? Okay, let's remind ourselves why we're here. Calendars were developed in classical history as a way of keeping track of the seasons. Nowadays, we don't really use them for quite the same reason. What with various meetings, schedules to keep up with, lunch dates, tea dates with Richard... These are all relatively close events, and don't really depend on the calendar, but the seasons do. We always know that summer begins in mid-June and winter in mid-December, but we have to note that it is not exactly 365 days between the start of one season and the start of the same season one year later. That so-called tropical year you're talking about is slightly longer than 365 days. Specifically, it is 365 days... 5 hours, 48 minutes, 45 seconds, and 138 milliseconds longer. And this gives us precisely 
365.2421891 Earth Day Long Tropical Year. Okay, so roughly a quarter of a day longer. How would that affect calendar drift then? If you only use a calendar of 365 days and call it done, then every four years your seasons would drift by one day. And this is a terrible amount of calendar drift. Every, let's say, 28 years, summer will start one week later. And civilizations dealt with this by just simply inventing extra days as holidays. You know, put a bonus festival into your calendar every now and then and everything lines back up, which brings us to the origins of the leap day. Well, this was seen in Roman times, and it was their government officials who often said, hey, let's put a bonus holiday to line everything back up again. But it should come as no surprise that the politicians at the time didn't really have seasonal timekeeping at the top of their priority list. Above that were, of course, their own needs, and placing extra days in the calendar would line up quite well with their own terms. It was very random and done whenever they saw fit. It was Julius Caesar who had had enough of this and decided we need to change. In 46 BCE, he thought he would fix this one-day calendar drift every four years by simply adding in one extra day, what we now know as the leap day in every fourth leap year. Now, I wonder how today's politicians would decide on a calendar reformation. Perhaps we should lead that to the Dad podcast. Maybe so. There were a few administrative complications to get the whole thing rolling, though, as there would be with any calendar reformation. But by the third year CE we had the Julian calendar, which fixed a previous problem. Or rather, he almost fixed it. It, it was due to a, quite a large issue with the leap year. I'm starting to get the impression that Caesar was never really good at dates, whether it be the Ides of March or the leap day. So what was the issue exactly? Quite simply, calendar drift wasn't completely solved. Instead of drifting one day every four years, we now drifted once every 128 years. A lot better than four, but it's far from perfect. So the centuries went by and soon people did start to notice. In particular, the date of equinoxes, where Earth's rotational axis is perpendicular to sun rays, they were off by a few days. And it was Pope Gregory XIII who wanted to help fix this. And how did he manage that? He did the smart thing and he hired mathematicians to look into it. And they noticed that while going up from 365 to 365 and a quarter calendar days in a year was an improvement. It was too powerful of a method and had overshot the mark ever so slightly. In fact, we had three more leap days every 400 years than we needed to. The smart thing to do, I suppose, is to remove three specific leap days for every 400 years. Okay, well, which ones would you choose? Well, it would probably make sense to choose the start of each century. Easy numbers to remember, 100, 200, 300, 400. And that's exactly what the mathematicians did. At the start of every century, we do not include a leap day until we hit the 4th century, in which we do include the leap day. So the year 2000 was a leap year, but the year 1900 wasn't a leap year, and 2100 won't be either. Precisely, and that's why we lost those 10 days earlier in you know, the Anglo-French War. We had to make up for the calendar drift that had been accumulating over the centuries after the Julian calendar. And now we come full circle. In 1582, the Gregorian calendar was rolled out. How's that for calendar drift, then? Scarily close to the tropical year, actually. We now have a calendar year that is 365.2425 days long, meaning we only drift one day every three and a quarter thousand years. Well, I think I call that a win. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't really know this before. Shouldn't it be common knowledge? You'd think that, wouldn't you? Until you realise the generation we're in and 
what time in history we were born. People bef born before 2000, they didn't really need to think of leap days because 1900 was behind them, 2000 was a leap day, and most people born in the 20th century won't live to see the start of the 22nd century, and so there was no point in learning that rule. Whereas some people who are being born today will actually see that. So every four years is a leap year, but every 100 years isn't a leap year, except every 400 years is a leap year. It is a lot to get your hair around, but as I say, in this generation, just remember that every four years is a leap year, but 2100 will not be. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. A correction needed every 3,000 years means we can't say the Gregorian calendar is perfect. True. Yeah, there are other issues, and quite a lot of reforms have been proposed. One of these reforms that got the most traction was the French Republican calendar that managed to last for 12 years, and it was an attempt to decimalise the calendar. Decimalise? So does that mean like 10 months? That was like one of the old Roman calendars, wasn't it? Well, that's what I thought, but in fact it meant decimalising the week, not the months. Oh. So you'd have 10 days of the week, all those days being renamed, 30 days to each month, these months being renamed, and thankfully, 12 months to the year, with the year starting with the autumn equinox. That's a lot to remember, but hang on. Uh, 30 days in a month and 12 months in a year, that gives you 360 days. And to make up for that, they would add days at the end of the last month of the year and make it into a holiday. So wh why was such a change done then? The calendar was adopted in 1793 during the French Revolution and was part of many reforms designed to move away from their old society, the society of royals and such. However, the calendar wasn't easily liked. In 1801, the seven-day week returned, and by 1805, the whole calendar was switched back to the Gregorian one. I would say that the French were attempting to solve a problem that wasn't really there. Here's an actual problem, though. Reusability. Wouldn't it be great if we could reuse calendars more often? There are seven days in a week, and 365 or 366 days in a year. That doesn't divide well. Mm-hmm, but the Gregorian calendar can in fact be reused every 28 years. But why not kill 28 birds with one stone and just reuse it all the time? Well, having annual events starting on different days can be quite a novelty. It'll be boring if your birthday would occur on the same day every year. Think of the people who, you know, have their birthdays on a Monday. Ugh. Also, there are these cool tricks you can do with the Gregorian calendar. For instance, if a month starts with Sunday, then you know there will be a Friday the 13th. But okay, sure, let's, let's run with this idea. Calendars that can be used every year do indeed exist, and they're called perennial calendars. The world calendar is an example of this. It was proposed by Elizabeth Achelos, though it is said to have had its origins earlier. Here, there are 12 months with equal quarters, each being exactly 13 weeks, starting with a Sunday and ending on a Saturday. The days of each month and each quarter are split in a ratio 31 to 30 to 30. What about leap years? Well, a leap year day will be added at the end of the second quarter in leap years, and at the end of every year, there'll be a World's Day, which would act as an end-of-year holiday. Similarly with the French Republican calendar, it, is it really worth changing the way we have understood the week in order to just satisfy the year? Well, it's a bit catch-22, or considering the year, maybe catch-24. However, if we seek a perennial calendar that seeks to maintain the week as we know it, there's the Hank Henry Permanent Calendar, named after Richard Henry and Steve Hank. Here, there is a 364-day year, with a leap week added every five or six years. Here, the days of each month in the quarter are split 
30 to 30 to 31. And then the leap week will be called extra. That sounds like an improvement, I think. I mean, we have leap days and some calendars, such as the Hebrew calendar, have a leap month. So having a leap week doesn't seem so out of the ordinary. The days and months are the same too. However, just just think, just a thought. As we have leap day birthdays, we would now have leap week birthdays. Mm. Well, that could be a bit of a novelty as well. It could be just some people who celebrate it at one side of the change over the week or, or well actually, they might they might celebrate it in december or january however having your having your actual birthday occur every five or six years it makes it a lot it makes it a lot more special but you know everyone gets to have their birthday every year there's a whole set of people that will just you know not be able to celebrate well i mean just because you're born on a leap day doesn't mean you can't celebrate celebrate that's yes, because time. technically you still are getting a year older. It's just that the actual date doesn't... Uh, doesn't yeah, I mean, this is sort of part of the plot of, uh, well, spoilers, for Pirates of Penzance, because you've got one character who, at the age of 21, he's free from his study of being a pirate and is able to leave. But, ah, no, he's born on the 29th of February. So he's actually five and a quarter. So, oh, sorry, mate, you're back in the pirates. Well, you've got to keep learning. Not technically, ah. because the years have passed. He does age. But, according to the rules, he's got to stay. No, but... It's deliberately dumb. <laughs> it's deliberately dumb. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm glad we have discussed those other types of calendars, because they have reminded me of another drawback to the Gregorian calendar. Oh, that... What? What's that? The fact that the months are all unequal in length. There's no real rhyme or reason. Sure it rhymes. 30 days have September, April, June, and... November. Okay, the mnemonic rhymes, but the main point still stands. Would it be nicer if the number of the days of the calendar were more equally distributed? You are right, because February being exactly four weeks long, 28 days, is a strange one. That's something I probably should have looked at, looked at before coming here. We seem to know a lot about calendars, but not really enough about the distribution. We have been talking a lot about the sun. There is another celestial body that we haven't talked about, and that's the moon. Mm. The cycles of the moon is something else probably to consider with calendar reformation the hebrew calendar uses a 19-year metonic cycle which is able to keep in the calculations of the lunar phases as well as the earth's rotation around the sun i would argue that is a good thing because it's very hard to keep track well, i wouldn't say it's very hard to keep track of the moon cycle in easter but it does change every year making it confusing i mean easter this year is was very early lent started on the 14th of february which is very very early considering the year before was sometime at the end of March. But I think at the end of the day, considering that the moon is slowly moving away from us, mm. probably would affect the calculations. But that's in the future. That is in the future. We will leave that to the chalklings. We have talked a lot about these different sorts of calendars, but I think the question we should ask ourselves is that whether the benefits of a new calendar would outweigh the drawbacks. The seven-day week is so ingrained with us that do we really want to lose it? Probably not. If we were to improve the calendar, it would probably be done incrementally. The change from Julian to Gregorian was only a 10-day deletion and a, just a correction on leap years. That seems minuscule compared to the one proposed above, which is adding extra weeks or months even. I've had enough drawbacks now. There is lots to be celebrated about the Gregorian calendar. No, 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 you're right. As we mentioned before, it's quite nifty having some calendar tricks. 
For instance, knowing when Friday the 13th occurs, or knowing what day your birthday is going to be on each year. Or, how about knowing your birthday for any year? Heck, why shouldn't we just know what any day is for any year? Okay, it sounds tough, but I think it's doable due to the way that the calendar is with lots of lovely numbers flying around. It's probably a lot of counting up and down, I'd imagine, in regards to leap years. Mm, There's lots more to it. This final topic I want to talk about is the Doomsday Algorithm, popularised by group theory legend John Conway. He developed a method, an algorithm, to pinpoint exactly what day of the week any given day in recent history or soon-to-be future would be. Sam gave me this as a little homework exercise. I have a bunch of dates at the ready. That I've not seen. That he has not seen, and the days attached to those dates. So, Mr. K. <laughs> it's like Mastermind. Someone played the Mastermind theme. Bum, 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 or is it Jeopardy? Bum, bum, bum. I'm keeping that in. <laughs> Mr. K. The 6th of April, 1896. What day was that? The 6th of April, 6th of April... 1896. I take that to be a Monday? Correct. Oof! Oh, he's good, he's good. Okay, let's flash a bit forward. The 29th of August, 1997. The 29th of August, 1997. Yeah, that's that's the one you said, wasn't it? I believe that to be a Thursday? A Friday. Oh, it was one day off! It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's fine, it's fine. Do another one. For the benefit of Alyssa, Sam isn't actually looking of himself. He is just looking... I'm looking no, off no, into the distance. Looking off into the distance out. and like trying to do all this mental maths. I mean, we'll talk about mental maths later on. Okay, the 4th of June, 1913. The 4th? Bear in mind, if you guess at random... It is one, one in seven. seven. <laughs> yeah, I'll get it. What did you say? Sorry, the... The, the 4th of June, 1913. 4th of June, 1913. Happened to be a Wednesday. Correct. Oof. And we'll go with one more. The 4th of November, 1922. The 4th of November. The 4th, sorry, yeah. The 4th of November, 1922. Happened to be a Saturday. Correct. Very good. Very good. Okay. I think I've proved some of my worth. Yeah, I got one wrong. Are any of those dates connected, by the way, they were just um, random? No, the dates I picked were um, when Emily Davison threw herself under the King's Horse, the opening of Tutankhamun's tomb, the first Olympics, uh, the showing of Terminator, and first contact day from Star Trek. See, that would have helped me in, in all of them. <laughs> okay, so I think as a whole, that's very impressive, but what's the secret? Remember what I said before? The Gregorian calendar repeats every 28 years, so I just have to remember 28 years worth of days and dates. I think if you did that, your head would explode. That's way too much information. You're right, you're right. But fear not. There is a day of the year that Conway calls Doomsday, which will always be the last day of February, no matter if it's leap year or not. At the time of writing, thank you to 2023 Sam, it is a Tuesday, and at the time of release, it will be today, a Thursday. Okay. So, the first part of the Doomsday Algorithm is using this to find out the day of the week for any given day this year. An astounding fact emerges when we consider the even months. The 4th of the 4th, 6th of the 6th, 8th of the 8th, 10th of the 10th, and 12th of the 12th are all Doomsday too. These being the 4th of April, the 6th of June, and so on and so on. 
And from here, for any desired date, you simply count up or down from Doomsday. Given that Doomsday this year is a Thursday, what day of the week would the 9th of June be? So if Doomsday is the 6th of June and we're looking for the 9th, then we're just three days ahead. Right, so if Thursday plus three days is... Sunday. Sunday, right. So the 9th of June this year is going to be a Sunday. Congratulations if that's your birthday. And there's a few other dates to remember. And a common mnemonic is working 9 to 5 in a 7-Eleven store. Because the 9th of the 5th and 5th of the 9th, 7th of the 11th and 11th of the 7th, they're all doomsdays too. So here's another one. What day of the week this year is the 10th of November going to be? Well, the 10th of November would be three days from the 7th of the 11th. Mm -hmm. So that would be a Sunday as well. Sunday as well, yeah, it's great. And amazingly, that's all there is to it. What about other years then? Because surely there's a second part to the algorithm. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is the harder part because it does actually require a lot more calculations. Will this require a pen and paper or is it all in the mind? You're not a fan of mental maths? Well, I mean, I don't really have an opinion towards it, but I think you definitely do, don't you? I, I, you're referencing of what I did in the maths, aren't you? Yes. One of the rules in the maths is that if you're in a team, only one person in that team can write at a time, which means that if anyone else in the team wants to help, they've got to do all the calculations in the head. And there is a section, the special section, which no one in our team wrote down on paper. We all just worked it out in our head. I think Ollie last week talked about Conway's Angel and Devil game. That was all done in his head. So I'm, I'm very impressed with Ollie. This, it did earn us 200 points. Very good. Anyway, back to this. We have to begin with some notable doomsdays. Doomsday 2000 was a Tuesday. And Doomsday 1900 was a Wednesday. Okay, so why is that important? Well, let's say we wanted to figure out Doomsday in 15 years' time, so 2039. We know that moving up one year in the calendar shifts the days of the week by one. Calendar drift? <laughs> Not quite. But all we do is take Doomsday 2000 and add the number of years. So that was a Tuesday. And if you add 39 days, that will give you a Saturday. Okay, yeah, it should be said that arithmetic modulo 7 is the key here. Don't worry if you don't know that, but, you know, you, you can still figure it out. But hang on, we mustn't forget leap years. Since leap years shift the week by two days each, how many leap years are there between 2000 and 2039? That's a 39-year difference. And since leap years occur every four years, that leaves us with nine leap years slotted in between. So that's a Saturday plus an extra nine days, which would be Monday. So Doomsday 2039 is a Monday. Precisely. Okay, how about Doomsday 1970? Okay, so Doomsday 1900, you said, was a Wednesday. So we've got to add 70 days. Now, conveniently, that gives us a Wednesday as well. In a 70-year span, there are 17 leap years. So Wednesday plus 17 would give us Saturday. So Doomsday 1970 would be a Saturday. Right. Now you've got it. And the final part is to put these two ideas together. So let's try and figure out what would the 9th of June 1970 be? Doomsday 1970 would be a Saturday. And we want to work out what the 9th of June is. But we also know that the 6th of June is Doomsday as well. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It'll be a Tuesday. Yeah, it'll be a Tuesday. So when you were asking me you know, to do those dates, so that's what I was doing. So give me one final one and I'll go through the calculation in my head. Okay, the 30th of October, 1974. 1974. Well, conveniently, we already know that Doomsday 1970 is a Saturday. Now you've just got to add 
four years to that. One of those is a leap year, though, so you have to add one extra day. So Doomsday 1974 is Saturday plus five, which is a Thursday. Doomsday Thursday. Now you asked for the 30th of October. I conveniently know that Halloween is also Doomsday, so just got to take one off, and that gives you a Wednesday. Correct. There we go. And it's a, it's a fun little party trick. Don't tell me you do this at parties. Why ever not? Meeting people and accurately telling them what day of the week they were born on is certainly a conversation starter. If you ever meet someone who follows astrology, or as we now know it as math finance, they're sure to be swooned. As within a year, this podcast must come to an end. But hopefully we won't have to add a few days to the end of it. The years do still live on, though, through the fantastic Doomsday Algorithm. Thank you for listening to this bonus Leap Year episode of Chalkboard Ultra. We hope you found it as lightning as we did. Join us next time as we delve deeper into the wonders of mathematics. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Chalkboard Ultra and on Twitter. Keep safe. And keep well. other sort of fictional calendars are always fun to talk about. Star Trek is a prime example of a very good dating system. They use star dates. But depending on which show you watch, there is that, di- there is that difference. That yeah. It's not always the same. Another example of a calendar system made in a fictional world would be Lord of the Rings and the world of Middle Earth, because that is split up into different ages of oh, yeah. time. I mean, attempting to say that the world of Middle-earth also uses their own sort of system because they've got the first age, the second age, and so on. However, I think that there is references to our calendar system. Yeah, because I know that taking the ring to Mordor was about six months in you know in our time, but that wasn't measured in the, our Gregorian calendar, or was it? I don't know. Um, I, can't, I, don't, I can't recall exactly whether exact dates were mentioned. No, actually, yes, it was because, like, the, uh, for instance, Fellowship of the Ring opens with a birthday party where they name drop Bilbo's birthday. Yes. So that's an example that they do use <laughs> our calendar. But there's a fascinating discussion over time within Lord of the Rings because it sort of suggested that when the Fellowship go to places like Rivendell and Lothlorien, there's a suggestion that time itself is slowing down. Now, of course, the elves themselves are said to be immortal and they can live forever. So it suggested that time slows a, down. There is some sort of not exactly time travel. Gravitational some, fields almost or well, this is going into the whole thing of what we probably did in Math Magician's Apprentice of the fantasy, the world of fantasy. Yeah. But it was really interesting reading stuff about that and the fact that their proximity to the world of the elves makes time slow down and make them feel like oh, it was That crazy. is really it interesting. It was very it was very interesting. Because if you want to talk about if you want to talk about it in context with relativity, time slowing down means that the elves have some sort... They have their own gravitational field that's only felt, you know, when, when you get closer and closer to it. Then the elves are just immortal to it, or we don't feel gravity, but time feels gravity? That is an interesting thought. Only the time axis is affected by gravity. Some sort of temporal curvature. Ooh. Ooh, you got to let me cook with that one. You okay there, Sam? Yeah, I'm just... It's crazy when you just think about it. You wonder how mathematicians and physicists just get ideas of what to... I don't know, what to think about, what to do maths on. But 
Temporal curvature. That, that's got to be worth something. Well, I think it's interesting discussing timekeeping, considering Sam was late. So, <laughs> Sam, why were you late? Well, firstly, why did you banish me to the deep, dark realms of London? Me? I didn't do it. It was Richard. Richard <laughs> typed it. I just, I merely spoke it in a cruel voice with a gong and <laughs> dark music. Okay, maybe I did. But the sentiment is still there. Where were you gone? This is a thing that I will definitely come back to in a couple of weeks' time. Long story short, I was in London doing some social networking in the world of maths communications, hanging out with greats like Matt Parker, Katie Steckles, James Grime. Sorry for name dropping. But I think it's a really cool, exciting thing. Did a lot of promotion for the podcast. So you might see that in Katie's blog in a few weeks' time. You know, it's uh, It's been very, very enlightening. But it was all to do with pi calculations because canonically Matt Parker releases a video every couple of years to do with calculations of pi by hand and I was there to help with the project this time. It is by no coincidence that uh, we have a pi day episode to be released on pi day two weeks from today or two weeks from today the release date and so you'll hear a lot more about it then. Does that satisfy your answer? I think it does, yes. A busy man. A busy man. Mm -hmm. See, it was all for the podcast, okay? I did promotions. I took Richard down with me. You saw the photo. Apparently, you almost dropped him down a balcony. I didn't drop him down. Right. Is this what Alistair told you? Yes. <laughs> we, I wanted you a criminal. I wanted a photo of... Well, Alistair wanted a photo of me. Alistair, by the way, is the president of the Mathematical Society here at the university. He came down to join the calculations on one of the days. And he wanted a photo in the calculation hall of me, him, and Richard. And we did. And we went, so we went up on the balcony of the school that we were at. And I just bounced Richard on the thing. And he genuinely almost fell off. But me, with my Spider-Man-like reflexes, I caught him and it was fine. And then we bumped into Matt. And so we got a photo there. And that's what's on our Instagram right well, now. Well, thank you for making Richard not like Gwen Stacy. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.